God is around us. We're surrounded by God in the moment. We're surrounded by his goodness. And sometimes we just need to be able to turn our eyes on him. I was just, what Neil was reading there from Second Chronicles 20, it says in verse 12, Our God will not our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Isn't that amazing? We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We feel like everything's against us, but we know we're surrounded by you, by your presence, by your love, by who you are. And I was thinking also about Elisha, how he was surrounded by an army, how they came to capture the prophet of the Lord, and his servant came to him and said, we're surrounded, Elisha, we're going to die, there's no hope, what are we going to do about it? And then Elisha said, um, um, he said, greater is those who are with us than against us. And he said, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord, Lord opened the eyes of the servant, the servant, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And we're going to be looking at Psalm 113. That also instructs us to turn our eyes Upon the Lord, he instructs us to tell about how God's goodness and God's love is with us. And it says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, you servants, praise the name of the Lord, let, his na- let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. The name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over the nations. His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? The one who sits enthroned and high. Who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust. And he lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. This is a a number of psalms that begin with um, hallelujah. Psalm 111 says, Praise the Lord, I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. And in Psalm 113. And in Psalm 114, talks about Israel's deliverance from captivity in Egypt and how God set them free. And um, these psalms, as you imagine, are called the Hallelujah Psalms <laughs> because they're all about praising God. They'll praise Yahweh, Hallelujah, praise Yahweh, for he is to be praised. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord in everything, in every moment, in every circumstance. Praise the Lord. 
They're also called the Egyptian halal, which um, um, they're, 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 they're psalms that um, remind people of their captivity in Egypt and also their deliverance by God. And this psalm particularly would have been used at the beginning of the Passover ceremony and probably Jesus would have read this psalm or they would have sung it probably uh, at the Passover meal as they take the first couple of wine. This psalm is usually said or sung. So it's quite interesting that Jesus would have probably read this to his disciples as they sat at that Passover meal and they would have praised God together. It reminds the people of their captivity that God commanded them from Mount Sinai, I want you to remember the Passover. And the Passover was a time when the, when, the Egyptian, when the Israelites were in Egypt and they were in captivity. And Moses was raised up as a prophet to go and speak to uh, the Pharaoh and say, set my people free. And Pharaoh wouldn't set the people free. And God came and showed his power and his might in plagues. Yet even in the midst of plagues and disasters, the Pharaoh would not set this Moses' people free. And then came the Passover where the angel of death was to come and take the firstborn of those who were in Egypt. And the Israelites were instructed to take the blood of the lamb. And to put it on their doors, on their entryways. That they would be passed over. And as the night passed and the morning came, the Egyptians woke up with tears and crying and weeping as they saw that their firstborn child had died. At that point, Pharaoh says, I'll let your people go. Just go. Just go. Just leave. Take what you want and leave. And it's sad, isn't it, that sometimes it's got to be in brokenness in the hard places and the difficult places that we recognize who is Lord. That Pharaoh thought he had all the power, all the authority, but in the brokenness, in the moment when he couldn't even stop death, he recognized who is he before this God, before Yahweh, the God of the Israelites. And the people were led out of Egypt, crossed the sea, Red Sea, went into the desert and wandered desert for many, many years and then eventually arrived in the promised land where they would worship God and remember God. And every year they were commanded to remember the Passover, this event that led them to freedom. Every year they're called and commanded to praise God, isn't it? It's a bit like our congregation sometimes. You've got to say, right, praise the Lord, come on, <laughs> praise the Lord. There's that command to praise the Lord. We don't always think that, do we? But when we don't feel like we want to praise the Lord, there's that command, that authority that comes from God. I want you to be here. I want you to remember. I want you to worship me. I want you to praise me. I want you to honor me. Not because I need it. because we realize how worthy of God is worthy of our praise and worship, isn't he? We have his commands, but we see how worthy he is. 
of how much he loves us, how much he desires to do for us. And he's a God who's so mighty that from the, the rising of the sun until the setting of the sun the name of the Lord is to be praised. This method is that a bit extreme, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a bit too much. An hour on a Sunday, praise the Lord, you know. I can't, I can't cope anymore. It's too much, all this praising God. All these people want to praise God all the time. But from the rising to the sun to the setting, we praise God. Because what better thing have you got to do in your life? <laughs> Rugby, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> no. But what better thing do you have in your life? It's when you orientate yourself towards God and who God is and what he's done for you, how he's rescued you, how he's saved you what he's done for you, brought salvation for you, that the Israelites stand in relationship to God and they look at this God who delivered us from Egypt, who delivered us from saved slavery, who delivered us from captivity, who delivered us from hurt and pain, who we now live in this land of milk and honey, of promise and inheritance, and we live in our own homes in freedom, not from fear of enemies, but saved by God, secure, safe. Why shouldn't we praise him? So they're called to praise them in these feasts and these festivals with the music and the dance and the, the praise and the worship. And it went on for days and days and days, 24 hours, just praising God and exalting him, fasting, praying, seeking God, crying, weeping, emotion, everything we hate in Britain nowadays in church. We, we've got it all where it's just there in the temple and they've got symbols and they're clanging and they're noisy and they're jumping and they're shouting. People would hate ancient Israel. They wouldn't like it. <laughs> but I imagine heaven's going to be like that, really. Buy your plugs, you know. If you can get heavenly your plugs, you know, take them with you just, <laughs> just in case. But even in a somber moment like the Passover, we used to people eating better herbs where remember in their captivity, their slavery, their pain in their heart, there's this, this bit begins with praise and worship and honour and glory. And this psalm teaches us something. It doesn't matter where you've been, where you've come from, what the heart, the pain, the loss that you've experienced, the doubt, the fear, the worry, the anxiety... Whatever meal you want to eat, whatever meal of pain and heart, whatever you want to digest and take into your life, whatever misery you want to have, whatever you want to moan about, whatever you want to complain about, however hard your life has been and difficult you've been, there's only one place to start with, and that's in prayer and fasting and the praise of God and worship of God. Imagine we had festivals in the church again, not just best Bible festivals for an hour on the, during the week with a sermon, but imagine we had festivals for a week 
where we come and say, the people of Little Over Methodist Church, we just want to come for the next 24 hours, for a day, for the next seven days, and praise God and worship Him and exalt Him and honour Him for all that He's done for us. People might not think it's much, but I thank God for everything He's given me. Can you imagine that? Because the Lord is exalted over everything, all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is like the Lord our God? There's no one like them, is there? When you meet the living God, when you encounter the living God in your life and experience him, there is no one like him. You can cry out like the psalmist, there is no one like our God. Where we can turn in the midst of battle and fear and hurt and pain, we will say, I don't know how to win this. I don't know how to get through this. But I'm turning my eyes to the Lord because there's no one like my God. What a witness that is. You don't have to evangelize. You don't have to go out and tell people about, about crosses across a gorge or something like that. You can walk across to Jesus. You just have to tell people, you know, there is no one like my God. In the midst of trouble and difficulty and challenge, there is no one like my God. In the midst of joy and hope and love, there is no one like my God. Within my family and my relationships, there is no one like my God. In my work, in my living, in my being, there is no one like my God. Isn't that wonderful? So when we start these things and we, we wonder sometimes when we come to church why we start with praise. But we're trying to get that point of recognition of saying, God, you're worthy. Not only do you command us, but you are worthy of our praise. And actually, when I praise you, I recognize that you're the answer to everything. And there's no one like you. And I should just turn my eyes on you in this moment in this time and seek you because what else is there to be done who else is going to rescue me who else is going to save me who else is going to deliver me who else is going to give me hope who else is going to set me free who else is going to raise me up yet for some reason there is no one like our God no one like this God who rules the heavens who is so high up even above the heavens yet he looks upon me and loves me and knows me and desires my praise and desires that my eyes may look upon him that he will deliver me as he delivered the Israelites we praise and we worship in this psalm in the knowledge that if he delivered the Israelites from slavery he can deliver me from slavery amen and he can deliver you from slavery he can set you free he can take you out of bondage if you've got a pharaoh in your life he can take that pharaoh out of your life like that God, he heard the grumblings of his people. He heard the cries of his people. You know, I imagine there was lots of Israelites who were going around moaning and grumbling. What a hard life this is, making, make, making bricks from straw and mud. This is really hard life and it's really difficult and it's really challenging being an Israelite in Egypt. You know, it's not the easiest. We should have a trade union. You know, it's, you know, I hate all this getting beat up by all these people. I hate all this stuff. 
grumbling and complaining and, and fighting amongst each other. Our life's so hard, our life's so difficult, our life's so challenging. But there were some Israelites who in captivity chose to turn their eyes to the Lord. That even after 400 years, there were still people who were turning their eyes to the Lord. You can imagine 40, 400 years and generation after generation, generation of being in slavery and captivity, there were still people who were turning their eyes to the Lord because they saw something in their faith, in their beliefs, in their ancestors, and people who worshipped God in the midst of slavery in Egypt, they saw something in that God that they were still willing to cry out in prayer, not just moan and grumble about their circumstances, but they were willing to cry out in prayer and say, God, I'm crying to you, deliver us. When God heard their prayers and their cries, then he answered them. Isn't that amazing? When God hears our cries and our prayers, He answers them. He sets us free. The one who sits on throne on high who stoops down to look it's beautiful isn't it stoops down to look you think about royalty and all these people who are royals when you we're standing on the streets and you're waving your flags and stuff when you want to see Meghan Merkel or some lad I don't know what's or Prince Harry or Prince William you, if you get a look you'll probably be happy won't you but they're not really looking for you are they they don't know who you are Yet our God stoops down to look. And who's he looking for? Who's he looking for? For you? For me? For those who cry out to him? For those who pray to him? Who are seeking him for his deliverance? He stoops down and he looks and he wants to hear the cries and the hearts of his people so that he may answer those prayers and deliver them and set them free. That's a promise to us. You know, so there's no point in groaning and mumbling, you may as well just go on your knees and cry out and pray. I've learned that in my life. The best thing you can do is cry out and pray and say, God, when's the deliverance coming? And it's amazing because he brings the deliverance. He brings the freedom and it's not you that does anything. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to fight battles. You don't have to be out there in front. You just have to say, God, I'm crying and I'm praying to you. You know my heart. You know my desire. You know what I want. You know my pain. You know my heart. You know how I need to get through this. I know you know, you know what I need you to do, God. <laughs> but I want to, you to do what you need to do. Not what I need you to do. And God... Come and bring that deliverance. Sweep it clear. Make the way. Blind the enemy. Take us out of captivity and slavery. Take us out of the desert. Take us into the places of promise that you have prepared for us. Take us to the land of milk and honey that we might have a place, that we might be in a place where we can praise you and worship you and glorify you for all that you have done in our lives and all that you're going to do in our lives and all you're going to do in our children's life and our grandchildren's lives and our great-grandchildren's life and for generation to generation who can call on these promises as these Israelites did thousands of years ago and saw that they were true and they were faithful and he looks down on the heavens and the earth and he raises the poor from the dust and he lifts up the needy from the ashy pay. We're all needy, aren't we? 
We're all needy. We're all needing God. We're all need of salvation. We're all naked. We're all poor. We're all weak before God. We all need to be raised up. Now we stand before God. We stand before God in our poverty and say, raise me up from this ash heap that I've made for myself and lift me up into your presence that in my poverty I might become rich in you. lifts the needy from ash heaps and he seats them with princes. He seats them at the right hand of Jesus as sons of God. I wonder if people reading that were wondering what princes meant but it means that we're children of God. Raised up to sit at the right hand of Jesus with God. Our identity in him of who he is. And he settles the childless woman in her home as happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful word we should say. Every time we come to church, we always say, Hallelujah, isn't it? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I spend all my life going around LMC. Monday to Sunday going, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Somebody goes, it's not working, praise the Lord. It's gone wrong, praise the Lord. <laughs> what are we going to do? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, amen, praise the Lord. Oh, my life's not great, hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. If your life's not great, what do you do? If things are going wrong, what do you do? If your car doesn't start, <laughs> kick it and praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. If you're having struggles in your relationship, what do you do? You praise the Lord. If you want hope in your life, what do you do? If you want answer prayer, what do you do? It's not hard, is it? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we worship you. And we praise you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for sending him as your son and dying for us upon the cross that we might be set free that we might praise you as our Father in heaven, Lord. Lord, that we, in our hopelessness and despair, can turn our eyes upon you and know that you are the God who delivers. You are the God who sets free, that you are the God who takes us out of slavery and places us into promise. So, Father, we cry out to you, hallelujah. We praise you, we glorify you, and we ask, Lord, in those praises and those hallelujahs and those cries out to you and those prayers that we give out to you, Lord, Take us to that place of promise. Place us in that place of promise, which is that you are with us. The best of all, God is with us. So Lord, that place of promise is that you are with us and we want to be where you are. Wherever you place us, wherever you take us, whatever you do with us, we want to be with you and where you are so we might praise you and glorify you. For you are the God who sets free. In Jesus' name. Amen.